0: very welcome along to the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning the final one for the current series final or at least one, yeah, it's for, for the spring summer part of things anyway for I'll this I'll be year. back in
1: September do you need worry I'll be back here <laughs> to do it all again.
0: But you're not gone yet so we're going to have a good uh, run of the next 52 we minutes course, or so. And the yeah. weather
1: is absolutely fantastic. Yeah after It'll a really bit of a
0: long wait I suppose. Yeah. Uh, things a bit slow maybe to kick into growth over the last couple of weeks anyway but I think this past week We came
1: into a a really really good spring you know the March and a very mild winter and of course the growth started so early but May I think let us down a little bit particularly with the cold weather and if people remember we even had frost late April, early May um, but but, yeah the temperatures in the last couple of of days have certainly turned the tide plants are just bursting into flower Bursting and there's a huge reservoir of of moisture in the soil as well so planting conditions are, are absolutely perfect so we are going to see a lot of growth over the next uh, couple of days and next week is promised quite strong as well so plenty of plants coming into leaf plenty of plants coming into flower it's exactly what we've been waiting for yeah
0: so people showing off their gardens perhaps and one of those of course is the open garden that's uh, happening at sean and terry mitchell's
1: exactly we mentioned this last week and I, I did say we'd do a little reminder because it's on the 7th of july and it's in Balkara, right in the center of the village and sean and terry open their gardens every uh, two years to the public, and uh, it's it's for a charity, of course. And it's a fundraiser for the Western Alzheimer's and Castlebar Social Services Centre this year. But it's a lovely garden, it's well worth a visit. So put it in your diary. It's Sunday, the 7th of July, from 12 to 6 pm, right in the centre of Belcarra Village. And as you're coming from Castlebar, it's on the left hand side from, from memory. And well worth seeing. Nice garden, bit of veg, bit of fruit, some lovely flowers, uh, trees, and shrubs in different areas of the garden as well. And I think I mentioned last week that Terry Mix does some nice uh, tasty food on the day as well. So it's a, it's a lovely day, a lovely family day out. And uh, that's uh, shown and Terry Mitchell's garden open on Sunday the 7th of July, 2 to 6 p.m. in Bacara Village. Remember, it's for it's a fundraiser. So well worth the visit. Yeah, and
0: two very worthy causes there as well, by all means.
1: Absolutely. Or and just something different that yeah, caught, caught this, my eye the, this And this week.
0: intrigued me. I said, foraging? Yes. How interesting. Isn't do, it? Do tell.
1: Well, Barry Ralph is the uh, chef at the House of Plates in Castlebar and Barry is well known, in certainly in Castlebar, a, a, a lovely restaurant and, and very different. Um, but Barry prides himself. He's a great grower of plants himself, a great from herbs and vegetables. He actually grows them on site at the restaurant. But he's also a great forager and a great man for going down to the sea and collecting wild Seaweed and bring it back and including it in his restaurant. But this weekend on Sunday, that's tomorrow at 11:30, at the Turlock um, Museum, mm-hmm. right at the gates of the Turlock Museum, right at the entrance. He's going to be running a foraging day for a family day of foraging, and um, again, it's a fundraiser. It's, he describes it as a slow-placed walk over a distance approximately one and a half miles and it's going to include, um, he has a foraging booklet to, to show people the different plants and obviously the uses of them and it'll end in a foraging-themed picnic. Um, so that's well worth a the visit. The, for information, if you contact Barry directly on 094 925 0742 and um, you'll see it on social media. Um, advertised Mm -hmm. anyway and and thing but it's well worth something different Barry will be showing kind of interesting plants I mean simple things like bittercress and ground elder and dandelions can be used in lots of different dishes fat hen for example is a a great one Um, there's one called King Henry's, the poor, and it's, it's King Henry, which is a, a, a broad-leaved weed, but it's also called the poor man's asparagus because you can use it oh. when, when these young shoots are coming through the ground. You can use it as an asparagus shoot, but you can also use it for spinach, spinach-like leaves mm-hmm. during the summer. So at this time of year, I'm sure he'll be showing um, the uh, King Henry, the poor man's asparagus. he would be showing the leaves of that and how to how mm. to cook that. But there's a whole range, things like sweetwood woodruff, uh, chickweed, lots of commoner gardener, plants that we'd associate as weeds, weeds that are totally edible. Even the Japanese knotweed, you know the one we're constantly what giving out right? oh, about, yeah, it, that's invasive. That's often used, again in, in springtime, as an alternative to asparagus because it's got those asparagus-like shoots. Um, so Barry will show people the the various plants he'll talk to them he'll show you how to collect them and in in particular the parts to use of the various plants and then he'll he'll advise you in terms of how to cook them Mm -hmm. how to prepare them and cook them and he'll also have a foraging booklet to give to everybody there on the day I
0: see forager's soup down. Yeah so it'd be interesting. Sounds, yeah. Uh, can I'm I just ask what,
1: what is fat hen? Fat hen is a is a it's a weed. Well we are supposed it, well it's a plant I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> In the wrong area it's it's considered a weed. Uh, but again you use the leaves of fat hen. In, you can use them. You can eat them raw if you wish. You can add them in soups or stews and lots of of dishes. So Barry will be covering the whole range of different edible plants that you can forage um, and that are available at this time of year. I, mean, I know in the springtime he's a great. Um, it p- promotes the the uh, ransoms, the wild yes, garlic, the garlic, and produces a whole load of pestos and dishes from the um, the ransoms in springtime. So look, if that's something different. It's a great day for the kids. It'll educate the kids in terms of what you can actually eat from our p- roadways and pathways and from the meadows. So that's it's going to kick off at eleven thirty. Um, from the tomorrow. gates yeah, tomorrow Sunday from the gates of the Turlock Museum but pre-booking is essential and as I say you can ring Barry on 094-925-0742 okay, or if well, you go on social media there'll be lots of information I, I there. I know
0: people mightn't just catch that but we do have it here so if you want to give us a call either on that matter we'll be able to pass it on
1: uh, to you. So there's something different for you.
0: That sounds fantastic and I suppose foraging probably is something that had I won't say fallen by the wayside but it is I suppose it has been a niche Thing for a long time, but historically, we would always have foraged. I mean, I remember going back when we were, say, children, uh, and I would originally come from a kind of the countryside area. You'd go out looking for mushrooms, yes, you know, you and would. things like that. And those kind of things maybe don't Wild happen. have. raspberries, yet.
1: yeah, the blackberries, the, the lovely hazelnuts in the autumn. Autumn, yes. You know, uh, that yeah. was always a tradition. It was old. People so, were always brought off for the yeah, day. Yeah, they're to, kind to of things maybe
0: that we don't do quite so much of anymore. No, we don't. But people like Barry obviously kind of reintroducing, reintroducing us to Reintroducing that.
1: that but it's not just the berries, it's it's all the foliage plants that you can actually use. use. Even commoner things like the dandelions can be yeah. actually used for lots of different purposes yeah. um, and eaten raw. Um, and so Barry will be covering all of that. A okay. no better man. Excellent. A no better man.
0: Okay, let's take a look, so maybe as where we're at garden wise now. Yeah, for well, the just next a couple, couple of weeks. things
1: the sorts of things that are trending, and, and I'm getting lots of calls over the last couple of weeks. Of course, we're, we're into the, the key season now um, where many plants are coming into flower. So the kind of things I would be doing at the moment is continue to liquid feed Mm -hmm. particularly flowering plants um, deadheading plants now on a regular basis if you're removing the old flowers they're going to just keep giving and keep flowering tomato plants are going to need regular feeding at this time of year so feeding at least every 10 days now with a high potash feed and where people have planted tomatoes early this season if the fruit is forming start to take off the lower leaves of the tomatoes so you know come up about 6 or 8 inches on the plant and start removing those older mature leaves and let some extra light in around the base of the plants. I did mention last week the uh, application of blight control. So we are in that kind of semi-blight. Tomorrow we're we'll planning some showers again. It's very humid at nighttime as well. So you will see some diseases on plants, blight in particular uh, on tomatoes and, and potatoes. You can still treat for that with the bare blight control. But also things um, that might be Uh, susceptible to mildew like asters in the garden or delphiniums in the garden or roses that often get diseases. Mm. A good idea is just maybe today, a dry day like today, is to put on a prevention of treatment like Rose Rescue or Rose Clear, just to keep the plants free from pests and diseases because they're going to relish this sort of weather we're having at the moment. Soil conditions are actually ideal for planting. So if listeners are thinking putting in some trees or some climbing plants or they want to plant some new shrubs, the soil conditions are actually excellent for planting. Or if you remember this time last year, you could hardly put the spade in the ground it, it was, was so was hard. Rock yeah, so this it's, it's actually really, really good planting weather. And plants that are planted now are growing very fast so for example i planted some swiss chard myself last only a week ago and already it's ready well i I sold it from plants Plants, but i've actually cut some of them last night seven days on they're ready for cutting Fantastic! i cut spinach back again a week ago and within the week it's ready for cutting again so the growth is very very strong at the moment so the planting of vegetable plants can continue there are lots of um cabbage varieties and uh, brussels sprouts and lots of plants that if planted now will be ready later on late mm. summer autumn sort of period the sowing of seed as well it's perfect temperatures now people had lots of problems this year with carrot seed not germinating because the it was too cold in may right so it's a good idea maybe to, to re-sow carrot seed this time. And, and indeed seed in general, particularly of edible plants, can still be uh, planted at this time here. And the temperatures are absolutely perfect, like 18, 19, 20 degrees, they'll just pop out of the soil. Summer cuttings, so this again is a really good time for taking the cuttings of all uh, summer flowering plants, so fuchsias, hydrangeas, geraniums, um, even things like trailing petunias, you could give them a go. They root very, very quickly. Um, so small, short cuttings, dip them in rooting powder, and put them into a polythene, into a pot covered with a polythene bag, and they'll root in a couple of days on your windowsill. The other thing I would be doing at this time of year, apples are fruiting very heavily this year. Those that haven't been knocked by the wind and, and storms, but the uh, those that are flowering really heavily, it's a good idea to cut back now apple and pear trees to prune off any excessive growth so you'll see lots of lots of uh, new stems and foliage on the tops of the plant without any fruit. So they should be shortened back. And again, a feed of potash at this time of year is very beneficial on all fruiting plants, but particularly on apples and pears. And um, the apples are at a really good size this year. So I think people are going to have a a great crop um, this autumn. Again, the feeding of hanging baskets, window boxes, so it's a it's a it's really we're into that maintenance stage a certain amount of sowing of seeds and and taking cuttings and the planting of plants but also you're into that maintaining of plants by deadheading by regular feeding and remember if you look after the plants they are going to continue to flower into October November June is also a great time for roses, the planting of roses. The selection of roses, because if you visit your local garden centre, they're in flower at the moment, so you can smell the rose. Yes. And look at the colour and pick a really good variety that will suit. But the soil conditions are perfect for planting as well. And remember, roses will continue to flower again right through to October so it's well worth planting them at this time of year. So we're very much in that, that time of year of replanting of harvesting plants um, and then preventing any pests and disease problems. Your lawn will benefit as well from a bit of a feed at this mm-hmm. time of year. Um, so again with the showers tomorrow if you could feed today would be ideal. So if you want to green the lawns up a little bit of park and fairway we'll green them up lovely um, without forcing growth and it's also a really good time of year and soil conditions are ideal for the sowing of new lawns. So if listeners are People have built new houses and they want to put in their lawns. Then June, early July, is, particularly when we get this mixture of heat and showers, it's ideal conditions for the sowing of lawn seed in general and wildflower seed as well. Okay. It's the perfect time of year for doing all of that. Okay, so, so is that enough? Heaps
0: to keep you going. Heaps to keep you <laughs> so going. So plenty
1: to do. Yes. So it's look a little enough. And is really keep 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 on those couple of key jobs for the over the next couple of weeks, and you keep the okay. garden looking really really well. Okay
0: brilliant stuff. Let's talk about foxgloves. This sounds, this is almost kind of uh, links in with our foraging a small bit because these were found out on the land, some white foxgloves recently. Um, and the listener is wondering, when is a good time to transfer them to my garden? OK,
1: well don't eat the foxgloves anyway because they are poisonous, <laughs> digitalis. Um, so, white foxgloves, isn't that lovely? Beautiful white variety. So, the best time to, well they're, they're in flower at the moment, they will be producing seed quite shortly. Um, so, my advice really is let them Flower, leave them in situ take off the old flowers as they're fading don't allow the plants to produce seed because um, obviously it'll exhaust the plant so once it goes out of flower cut them back cut off the old flowers that'll encourage lots of leafy growth leave them then until about late September October the foxgloves can be lifted right. divided so you can split them up into two or three pieces and bring them back to your own garden. So stopping them from producing seed puts all the energy into producing plenty of leaf growth. The plants will actually double their size over the summer period. And then if you lift them in September, you can s- simply split them into three or four pieces and plant them back into your own garden.
0: So you have three or four foxgloves then for next well, indeed.
1: year. Indeed. Oh, yeah. And, they, and they're easy to propagate. Now, they're not a long-lived plant, so they tend to... You get two or three years out of them and then you need to kind of, to be bringing on others as it were so um it would be interesting maybe to collect some of the seed from the white one as well and sow it and just see what uh, what will come, come up I would imagine you get a mixture of different colours maybe pinks or whites and pinks or some, some of the purple varieties as well you get different kind of hybrids mixed because I'm sure they're being pollinated by some of, of the wild foxglove as well
0: oh right I see I was going to say how does yeah. that all happen yeah, because no, they're being pollinated and in a whole yeah. range
1: of different colours so you can, you can buy seed of all the different colours. colours so if you want just pure white foxgloves um, there's one I think from, from memory called Dalmatian which is a white variety of, of foxglove but they can be sown from seed at this time of year or as I say with this one I would just let them flower then cut off the old flowers before they produce seed encourage the plants to produce nice leafy plants then dig them up in the autumn and transplant them and they, and they divide and transplant no problem whatsoever.
0: Now growing tomatoes in pots outside they're very green and hard how long does it take to ripen and will they get softer?
1: We've an impatient gardener uh, We I do. Would, I would imagine a first time, a first time uh, tomato grower
0: Probably look at them, at them every day.
1: Yeah remember it's only June so uh, everything is absolutely normal um, and actually the fact that the tomatoes are even are at that stage they're very well advanced so um, well done they're, they're exactly what I'd expect. So regular feeding about every 10 days this time year with your the tomatoes as I said earlier uh, if the if you can take off some of the lower branches close to the ground just to let light into those tomatoes you won't expect them to start ripening for about another three weeks three to four weeks so it's normally the middle of July late July before the first year tomatoes and particularly if they're out of doors they're going to be slower and um, particularly this year with it with the cold May so um tomatoes that are in the greenhouse or in a tunnel or in a porch of course are going to be they're probably nearly ripe at this stage or certainly on that point and those that are out, outside uh, will ripen later but they will ripen they will soften and uh, pick them on a regular basis and start removing the lower leaves then as the plants are, are maturing and you get tomatoes generally to produce right up to the end of August often into September so depending on the variety so there's plenty of time yet to play for
0: okay brilliant but you can
1: imagine looking at them every day and <laughs> when are these I things know. going to turn
0: Right. Yeah. Um, now hydrangeas uh, some people having difficulty with their hydrangeas one person in particular uh, picture in with two hydrangeas uh, set um, uh, uh, this year um, and a rosebush fe- feeding with miracle grow but not really doing all that well.
1: OK, well, remember that um, No, hydrangeas are beautiful everywhere at the moment, and particularly in the last two weeks, they've really come into their own and are flowering lovely. But many varieties also were damaged back in May, late April, early May, with the frost. So they came into growth early, and then the, the frost, that particular heavy frost, uh, over, over uh, a couple of days damaged hydrangeas, turned them red, damaged some of the flower buds. So plants that, that got that sort of damage are certainly well behind. So the listener's doing everything right. The miracle Grow, I would switch to a, a granulated feed. So it's something like a rose fertilizer or Osmo Pro 6 would be perfect, just around the base, mm. which It's just stronger. miracle Grow is fine in terms of, say, hanging baskets, window boxes. It's a liquid feed, so it's generally better on, on smaller, younger plants. But something as strong as hydrangea needs something with a little bit more kick in it. So again, a good rose, granulated rose fertilizer fertilizer. fertilizer or the Osmo Pro 6 applied to it. And um, again, there's plenty of time for the hydrangeas to recover. And many of them have in the last 10 days, two weeks. It's amazing how they've gone from that reddish color to lovely green color with the heat and hydrangeas love the warmth. Uh, but can be frost susceptible, and they were damaged early on this year. Yeah,
0: there was a little. I suppose conditions were a little bit tough for the and yeah. Then with all the rain as well, kind of leaf damage a little bit.
1: They did, yeah. They, they got burnt. The leaves got burnt, and then the buds got burnt as well. Um, if you are planting to hydrangeas, some of the the ones I particularly like are the paniculata varieties, like Phantom and Bobo and and uh, Vanilla Freeze and Inky Pinky. They're really really nice varieties and tend not to be dam- be damaged by the frost as easily as the uh, mophead varieties and they can be planted at this time of year and you can still plant hydrangeas now, at, at, at this moment.
0: Now, I noticed caterpillars even on my cabbage and also on the sprouts. Any tips on controlling them?
1: Well, again, look at that. It's just um, the, the time of year you're going to get caterpillars and lots of plants. If you want to use something safe, use the uh, bug clear for fruit and veg so you can treat your cabbage today and eat them tomorrow or your Brussels sprouts. Well, they won't be ready for another couple of months yet. Mm. So, um, yeah, use, a, use the bug clear. That'll get rid of them and, um, and it'll control aphids and any other... Broadleaf peas as well. Look for the variety of well, the one that's specifically for fruit and veg.
0: Okay, lovely. Now, um, I didn't get a chance to treat my potatoes and tomatoes with the blight spray. Uh, Should I do it now? And I have Curse, Pink's and Record's. I am.
1: Both are susceptible to blight. Um, So they didn't spray last week. Yes, you can still, a day like today would be absolutely ideal to put the treatment on. That bare control, the bare blight control has a curative property. So if you have a little bit of blight in the plants, it will correct that and will also prevent any further damage.
0: Okay. Uh, would it be okay to plant a boundary hedge at this time of year, or is autumn better? We've a new house and need a hedge to frame the, sh- the site and to give shelter.
1: Well, it, it depends how if you if you if you want to plant at this time of year, the soil conditions are ideal uh, for planting. Generally, what you need to do is get rid of any existing grass or weeds. So, if you're planting into a lawn area, just treat that area with Weed Free Three Hundred and Sixty mm-hmm. just to clear off, clear off any vegetation that's there, and then you can plant straight away. Most hedges you're planting them eight inches apart art to fill in um, and you can plant it this time of year. Certainly the, the soil conditions are perfect at the moment or you can leave till autumn. If you're planting beech, in particular purple or green beech or bay root plants, they're obviously left until November. Um, but if you're putting in the potash like chrysalini or laurel or Portuguese laurel, then this time of year is as good as any.
0: Fantastic, um, and when you're planting a boundary hedge like that, uh, how how close to the edge should one go? Or if you've, if you've you know wall, low walls and or, stuff like that, or a
1: fence, you need to keep keep in at least a meter from the wall because the hedge will grow back out to that. So keep in a meter and then space your plants 18 inches apart along the row and treat that area. So mark the area. If it's a lawn area, the easiest thing is to mark it with the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Put the lawnmower low, at low, reduce the blades quite low. Uh, trim the lawn as it were and then treat it with the weed-free 360 and, uh, and then plant. And okay. You're good
0: to go. Fantastic. Now it's a beautiful morning. We're told in Ackle. Good oh, to hear. Um, I took Pork's advice last month and sowed sweet William and wallflowers. Excellent. They're all doing very well. What is the next step? Do I plant them out of doors or keep them in the glasshouse?
1: Oh, well, move them outside. Yeah, they, they, they actually could have been sown outside, but um, you transplant them outside. Now, the other thing I would do with them is pinch them back. So, take out the leading shoot, four or five inches of the top growth. Pinch that back, and it'll encourage the plant. To fill out, so sweet William will be flowering in April, May of next year. So will the wallflowers. So the ideal thing now is to transplant them into the garden soil somewhere or into pots out of doors. Pinch them back, let them grow, and there'll be a, a ball of colour then by by uh, next spring. You'll often get some of them to flower even in autumn time because we've got very similar. Autumn weather tends to be like spring weather, so many spring flowering plants tend to come in early, come oh in to flower right. early. So you'd often see a camellia or a rhododendron flowering in September.
0: <laughs> and does that mean that they won't flower the following spring? No, no, spring? they'll still flower. They'll still flower. You'll, you'll always get
1: a few buds to okay. open because it's the temperatures in September are similar to the temperatures in April. So you tend to get spring flowering plants. We often get a question here, why am my rhododendrons <laughs> in flowering in September? Yeah. But it's just that in autumn you often get some. Okay. So wallflowers and Sweet Williams sometimes produce flowers. Uh, in autumn as well as springtime and it's still, you've still plenty of time for the sowing of the seeds of all of the spring flowering plants like primulus, wallflower, sweet williams forget-me-nots they can all be sown yeah. now
0: now, I have a lot of Himalayan balsam weed or flower. Right. It is spreading in my garden quickly. How to, do I control it from spreading? I quite like the flower, but it seems to pop up everywhere. The flower is
1: gorgeous on it. because Do
0: a, we know Himalayan? Is it, is it's, it common?
1: It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming very common because it spreads like mad. Um, so it's basically oh. impatiens or busy-lizzy. It's a, it's a wild version of our lovely cultivated, busy, lazy plant. It grows about three to four feet in height in the one year. It's an annual. So it dies back at the end of the autumn, early winter, and then propagates seed, and those seed germinate and grow hard to believe it's three to four feet in one year nice. and come into flower. And it flowers for such a long period. It comes into flower in June and flowers through, through to October. So it is a beautiful plant when it's in flower. The problem with it is it is invasive and it spreads. So its seeds actually float on water. So if it's, you'll often see it um around kind of little streams, rivers, lakes, that sort of thing where it can actually spread by water. But if you touch the seeds, the kids love it because if you touch the seed in the autumn, it propels itself it kind of bursts and uh, propels itself maybe a metre away Oh
0: right So it
1: bursts it literally they call it um, jumping jack as well because once you touch it it literally jumps the seed triggers itself and it fires itself maybe a metre away from the mother plant Right So you get this popping effect from the from the plant So it's an unusual plant um, mm. Himalayan balsam So bees uh, actually love it It's a great bee uh, producing plant because it's full of nectar um, Our bee peppers don't particularly like it because the honey is—it's not a particularly good honey that it produces. Um, so the question is getting rid of it, isn't it? Yes,
0: it is because it's popping up everywhere.
1: And, and that's the way it grows because so what you need to do because it's an annual, it dies back at the end of the year. So if you stop it from producing seed, then you'll, you'll eradicate the plant. So my advice is to keep it strimmed back, trim it back in the garden, stop it from allow, don't allow it to produce its seed, and it'll just die away.
0: Okay, excellent. Uh, now, I need to cover a bank with some low creeping plants. It's large, some, so something quite vigorous or good cover.
1: Okay, so well on banks and slopes, the, my advice really is, first of all, you need to clear them of any existing vegetation that's there. So if there are weeds or, or grass, or whatever, get rid of that. Make sure that the bank is clean to start with. Otherwise, those weeds are just going to come up through any ground covering plants you put in. Um Again, the second thing, so that so that should be done first. It'll take about seven days to work. So again, put on the wheat-free 360, apply it on the area, then you're good to plant a week later. And generally on banks and slopes, planting groups of fives or sevens of the one variety of plants. So you get this clustered effect and carpet effect. And there are loads of ground covering plants. So things, even common things like the flower carpet, roses, great in shades of pinks and reds and mm. whites and yellows, and a great time to plant them. But other plants like notus Repens that's the California lilac. Reapens means prostrate or reaping. So, again, you can plant that and it spreads across the ground. Beautiful evergreen leaves, blue flowers. There's another lovely planted flower at the moment called Hebe, which is white, lovely bells of white flower. Again, it retains its leaf. So, depending on the slope, maybe if the listener takes a picture mm-hmm. of the slope and either brings it into me, I'll be actually be in the garden centre later on today in Churlock after 12 o'clock. Bring a p- picture in to me, or else drop send it in today. Yes, on WhatsApp, on WhatsApp, and we'll have a look at it. But depending on the size of the slope, will determine the type of plants. Like ground covering heathers are great as well, different varieties of aster. even plants like Hypericum hidcoat, which is in flower at the moment, it grows a little bit taller, but it's got that bushy habit. So, they're the type of plants you're looking for. Plants that are going to be spreading across the ground or bushy in nature. Plant them in groups of the same variety, and make sure then you pick and different varieties to give you seasonality, so that not everything is flowering at the one time. So you have a bit of colour in the winter, bit of colour because in the spring, summer, summer, yeah. summer and different autumn.
0: different kinds of different interest. types
1: of plants. Yeah, yeah. So they're the general principles when you're planting slopes, banks.
0: And does the aspect matter? as Well, yeah,
1: absolutely. If, it, if it's in terms of shade, if it's shade, there are plants that will tolerate shade, like Fatsia's spiders as well. It's a lovely evergreen plant. You've got things like spotted laurels that will really do well in shade. Some of the ferns that do very well in shade. Or if it's full sun, then you've got a whole myriad of different plants to use. So that would be important as well, the shade element and also how big the slope and bank is and the quality of the soil. But there are literally loads of different plants. Um, vigorous plants to cover it.
0: Now, somebody is admiring from Ackle. We'd go to Westport Town and they love the beds in Westport Town oh, with yeah, yeah. all the cottage garden plants. Wondering, could I recreate that look in my garden and when and how is a good time?
1: Well, in ours, in is an excellent time to plant cottage garden plants. And from memory, again, going back to the cluster planting, I think that's the way they have done it in Westport. So they have the hostas together, they've got the Alstromerias together. Uh, stunning and again long period of colour so they've gone away from the kind of traditional bedding plants and gone for more that I suppose it's more sustainable because those plants come back year after year they're perennial in nature and they get better year after year. So once you plant them, they give you X amount of color this year, but next year it's 2x and 3x and so on as the plants develop and mature. So they'll have plants like alstroemeris, hostas, they'll have things like lupins in flower, uh, the geraniums, the lovely geranium like Johnston's blue that comes back every year. So of course you can recreate that at this time of year. Again, my suggestion would be to take a photograph of the area, bring it in and we look at a range of plants that would be suitable. And again, the cottage garden look—you can get plants that will flower from spring, early summer, midsummer, autumn, and even through the winter, like heliborus that flowers in winter time. And many of them can be underplanted then in autumn with spring-flowering bulbs, like snowdrops, crocuses, dwarf daffodils So you get lots of colour in springtime. And again, the two plants, the cottage garden plants and the bulbs work brilliantly together because they support one another. Agapanthus will be another lovely plant to plant. So, of course, you can recreate it this time of year and particularly with the soil conditions as they are at the moment. And it's a nice time, no more than the roses, to pick perennial plants because you can actually see them in flower. Mm-hmm. You can see the particular lupin that colour or this colour, Alstroemeria or whatever, rather than looking at pictures it's in yeah, springtime. Yeah. So a great time to plant.
0: Excellent. And there's options there really for almost
1: there's a load of
0: twelve months a year colour a in some capacity. There
1: is indeed, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Spud questions, Port. Oh yeah,
1: you can be uh, this time of year.
0: <laughs> what type of potatoes are flowery for setting?
1: What do you like?
0: Um well i I I suppose I kind of do like a flowery potato. I love mashed potatoes. So flowery potatoes are always good for a Which that. variety. Oh, I, I don't really. Well, I'm not growing them myself. Oh no, no I'm but when them. you're buying them. Well, I generally think. I suppose roosters. I do like roosters. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're great because they hardly ever.
1: They're I'm, a good they kind of mainstay. It
0: always seems to come out fine. Okay. Well, let me yeah. give you
1: a more exciting ones. Okay. One than Maris Piper's are very <laughs> yeah, nice. Maris as well. Yeah, Maris Piper. It's a great chipping potato. Yeah. It's often used by the chippers. But if you like uh, really flowery potatoes, I had some uh, British Queens two weeks ago. They were absolutely delicious. They were absolutely gorgeous. So get the British Queens. You'll actually see them for sale on the, in your local supermarket Next, yeah. and on the side of the road, the Wexford Potato. So British Queens are absolutely lovely. You need a big pot of butter So that's, beside say, that's them. the thing. So grow them, British Queens, because they're a second early. They're always ready at the end of June, early July for harvesting. Two lovely Irish varieties, Orla and Colleen are two very, very tasty varieties.
0: And they're not the kind you get in shops, you see. I suppose. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, the queens well, are...
1: Yeah, British queens, will, you will get in shops, but they're a lovely flowery potato. Later on then for the summer, Golden Wonders, can't be Golden Wonders, the driest potato ever, balls of flour. Lovely variety called Blue Danube. Now these are for sown next spring, mm. so you don't go looking for them in your garden. So Blue Danube is another one that um, is a really, really good variety. purple skin, Balls is a flower again. Great summer variety and it's a blight resistant variety. It's one if you want to grow organically that you don't have to spray. So Orla and Colleen are two Irish varieties. Again, they're blight resistant. Blue Danube is fa- fantastic. And if you like rooster, you're going to love a variety called Satanta. It's a, it's the daughter of the rooster. Mm-hmm. It's bred with another variety to pr- produce a lovely white potato that again is blight resistant and again, very, very flowery. So Irish people tend to like our flowery spots. Our Curse Pinks, Golden Wonders and blue danubs, all of those are balls, literally balls of flour. Flower. Um, so try any of those. It, you're really playing for next year. Now, having said that, with potatoes, you can grow potatoes. Actually, there's a
0: question here about growing them now. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I don't know. Is it too late to sow any type of potatoes? Um, I have a niece who's doing a great science project and has to grow a crop. Any advice? Well,
1: look at you could pl- you could plant some potatoes now if you wanted, I mean, even if you get get a few seed potatoes from uh, a, a supermarket bag and plant them. Now it will depend on the summer. Ideally, they should have gone in in March or April or early May. It's kind of the generally right up to the end of May. Um, they will still grow. And what I was going to say that you in July, the middle of July in the garden centres, you'll actually get potato seed for Christmas. So there's a range of about seven varieties that come into us in the middle of July. You plant them into pots and containers, plant them out leave them outside, grow them for the summer and then in November they start to die back but the potato tubers are already formed and then you keep them until Christmas Day and then you lift them them. and you have new potatoes for Christmas. Christmas. So they'll be available in the garden centres in mid-July. But for that listener, if if the the granddaughter wants to grow a few potatoes, then you could get a couple of tubers now, put them into a big pot of compost. Of course they're going to grow. the summer will dictate the type of crop you'll get, but you'll still get maybe egg-sized potatoes between now and October, October. Uh, growing them outside. So well worth giving them another go.
0: And maybe just uh, th- that's in relation to potatoes but this particular science project is, is to grow a crop. A
1: crop. So oh, well, there's w- w- what
0: else might be an option? Well, a, uh, a-, a another, as they say. All,
1: all of the brassicas so you could you could sow say cabbage variety. There's a grown one going, great one called a greyhound and hispe which are very fast maturing so you can, the plants are available in the garden centres now to plant but you can also sow the seed and they'll still grow. They're ready in about eight weeks so it's a super crop grow. Any of the lettuce or any of the salad crops. I mentioned the Swiss chard that I planted. That's a lovely one because it's got beautiful uh, coloured stems, like celery stems, but they're in shades of oranges and reds. It'd be fabulous for children. Mm. So Swiss chard, sow the seeds now. They'll germinate in two to three weeks. You can buy the plants if you wish and put them into the garden soil. And you can use the leaves like spinach right through the summer, or you can use the stems like celery right through the winter. But it actually makes a very attractive ornamental plant in the garden. So it's got these beautiful red stems and, and green foliage through the winter and into the spring and summer of next year. So if you never even took a leaf off the plant, it actually makes a very it's attractive decorative. plant. So that's Swiss chard. Brussels sprouts can be sown and, and planted at this time of year. Winter cauliflower, winter carrots. It's endless, okay. to be honest. Chard into,
0: sounds like a good idea though. Yeah, because pop into
1: your local garden centre. They'll have a collection of seeds to sow now at this time of year and the temperatures and the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for Giving it a go.
0: Why have I got white fungus on my miniature apple trees? <laughs> Not me personally. <laughs> but that's just how it goes. Because it's apples
1: are, are, are susceptible to mildew and to other diseases as well. And I suppose that's what I was saying at the start of the programme. We've been having very kind of humid, and um, blighty uh, conditions yep. over the last week or 10 days. And that's very conducive to the spread of mildew on plants. You need to put on a protective treatment so you can put on something like fungus clear. Or you could put on the rose clear, if you've got it in the house, on the leaf of the um, of the apple and that'll keep it. Remember, you're not going to be harvesting the apples for another six weeks, maybe eight weeks. So you can perfectly use the fungicides now just to keep them clean. And my advice, if you've got apples in the garden, is to put a, a preventative treatment on because you will get mildew or other diseases, botrytis on the, the leaves.
0: Now I said begonia, lovely leaves, but no flowers. Um, what do I feed it with?
1: Well, I was actually probably going to say they're maybe overfeeding it because begonias now look at the fact that they're growing well. That's great, and um, they will come into flower for you. Uh, so don't don't panic with them yet. You generally should be using high potash feed, so something like a good tomato fertilizer like Tomorite um, would be good, or the Osmo Universal feed is generally what I use, um, and and that's put on maybe every ten days to to. Um, to promote flowers in particular. So high potash fertilizers what you need with the begonias, but don't fresh with them. They will come into flower. And the fact that they're producing plenty of leaves, the plant itself is going to be big and strong and you'll get lots of color. And begonias flower till November. So, so. there's plenty of time yet and this this heat now will trigger them into flower as well where you get that kind of warmer temperatures. Plants switch from vegetative growth, leaf growth, to flowering. And that's why we're seeing so many hydrangeas come into flower and baskets looking better than ever. It's as if nearly overnight plants have come into because of the bit of heat. It has made the difference. Yeah, they will will flower, so don't fret with them. The begonias will come into flower for you.
0: Now, what's the best time of year to cut back a foot or two from a Lalandia tree hedge I cut it back uh, but it's great again on top the growth has come
1: Yeah well actually midsummer is a good time to prune Lalandia in general and, and, and vigorous hedges like laurel this is the time of year to trim them back because you're taking a little bit of the vigour if you think of what plants do they photosynthesize through their branches and their leaves if you t- rob them of a little bit of those uh, stems you're actually putting them on a bit of a diet you reduce the growth of the plant so midsummer mid-June, uh, early July is a great ta- time to prune back all evergreen hedges. So Lelandiae laurels, Portuguese laurel, es- well, not Escalonia because it's in flower, griselinia they should give a light, give them a light trimming back. Now, with Lelandiae, you can t- take two or three feet, as long as you're not going back into old wood, brown wood, that's important. Um, so by pruning them now, you will certainly reduce the vigour of the plant, you'll tidy them up and... Um, they, 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 they actually, the new growth will actually close in the hedge and make it nice and full as well.
0: Now, I sowed mixed lettuce leaves a month or so ago and also some coriander seeds, but they haven't, they've only grown a couple of inches. Well, that's, I, that's, that's
1: after a month, that's all really I'd expect, you know, so they, after a month, now it depends where you've sown them, of course, if they're out of doors, they're obviously going to be only literally an inch or, or an inch and a half in height. If they're in a greenhouse or a tunnel, I would expect them to be a little bit stronger mm. than that. But, um, so, don't worry about them. Really, my advice is, is give them a good liquid feed now. Again, something like the Miracle Grow the, the listener mentioned or the Osmo Universal. Liquid feed them. This bit of heat, they'll, they'll jump out of the ground in the next um, next week or 10 days.
0: Now, somebody can't get borax powder to sow turnips. Is there any other product they can get to replace it?
1: OK, so the reason they're looking for borax, borax is that it has boron, which is um, a micronutrient. And without it in your soil, your turnips and swedes will be boast. Or empty inside or, or it's very stringy inside and they're useless the turnip will look perfect on the outside but when you cut it inside it's actually hollow <laughs> so you need to so the best for the, the, the fertilizer to look for is one called vitex q4 so that's a fertilizer it's a broad spectrum fertilizer but it's got boron added to it and you should get that in your local garden center so vitex q4 it's suitable for all vegetables but it's particularly good for turnips and suede because it's got the boron Add it to it. And okay. lots of other good nutrients as well.
0: Now, John is wondering can one find meadow sweet on Ackle Island? I suppose. Is that for foraging?
1: It probably is, yeah. The Meadowsweet has lovely kind of white flowers um, you know, and it's a distinctive smell from it as well. I would imagine so that it's in Ackle. It's a very common um, wild flower and it would be in flower, just coming into flower at this time of year. So I'm not sure about having haven't been down to Ackle recently, so okay. I don't know. But I'm sure you'll find it. You'll find Meadowsweet. It's okay. very, very common. Um, bright kind of panicles of white flowers, dark green foliage, and it's got that kind of bittersweet smell from it as well.
0: Now... Um, now, can we ask Porik if he has any advice about red spider mites? I'd say that's advice on getting rid of them.
1: Yeah, well, red, red spider mite is a, its generally a pest of indoor plants, in particular, often lemon trees and many citrus trees have them. But ordinary <laughs> indoor tr- uh, plants can't have it. And, and as the name suggests, it's a small spider um, and it creates a kind of a webbish, The leaves tend to go yellow on the plant and you see this kind of webbing on the leaf as well because the spider actually creates a a web on the plant itself. Um, You need to use something like um, a systemic um, insecticide uh, and you need a strong insecticide to get rid of it. So the one I would use is one called uh, Bug Clear Ultra. So it's different to the other Bug Clear I mentioned for fruit and veg. So it's sold in a red box and it will actually have the red spider mite on the picture of the red spider on it. On it. So you get that in your local garden centre. My advice is to take your plants out of doors, treat them and then bring them back maybe in a couple of hours later and repeat that about a fortnight later. Okay, that should do the red job. Spider. They often dislike red spider as typical spiders They dislike moisture. So if you're actually spraying misting misting your misting. plants with water that tends to deter them as well they right. don't like they like uh, you know dry spiders conditions. like a dry environment the same with the plants if you're misting you tend not to get as much of it but yeah red spider mite it it it's a, it's can be difficult to to eradicate. It's a okay. tough bugger to get rid of. Okay, okay. So the Bug Clear Ultra. We'll try that.
0: Try that. <clears throat> What's the cause for onions to go yellow on the top of the green leaves?
1: Well, onions and, and particularly this year um, and many, not just onions but other plants as well. Once they you get a bit of harsh weather as we've had, the tips of the onions <clears throat> go that yellowish colour. Now that's of no harm. You can just trim that off um, the plant, just literally trim it and the plant will regrow again. So it's just a little bit of weather damage on the plants and nothing to really worry about.
0: Now, bear with me on this one. I'm considering planting Carpinius betulus fastigiata.
1: Not bad. Not bad. You had a good... (laughs) So Carpinus betulus Thank
0: you. <laughs> Carpinus, fastigiata, Carpinus, yeah. Carpinus yeah. betulus Carpinus yeah. betulus fastigiata. Uh, sorry, the site is an open situation, not sheltered. It's in South Mayo. Is this a suitable choice? Please do tell. Carpinus betulus fastigiata. Carpinus, yeah. What is so,
1: it? Well, it's, it's actually the hornbeam. Okay. It's the common name for the tree, the hornbeam It's tree. much easier to say. <laughs> so Carpinus, it's a lovely tree. Um, it kind of resembles a small beech tree. The leaves are about the size of beech. Stigiata means it grows upright. So it's got this lovely upright columnar shape. Now, it does take a reasonable amount of wind, but if it's very open, I would suggest maybe something else. So something hardier would be the white beam, Sorbus aria lutescens, which is silver leaves, white flowers, red berries, um, and quite a nice attractive tree, but very wind tolerant. And the other tree that tolerates the wind very well is the uh, Paul Scarlet horn, um. White thorn. white thorn. It's a red thorn actually. It's got red flowers. It's in the same family as the white thorn and we know how hardy it is. So the hornbeam, if it's very windy, will suffer some damage. Now it does take re- reasonably open conditions and um, T- totally hardy out of doors equally as hardy as beach but depending on the level of exposure so maybe if the listener maybe want to try one of the Carpinus maybe for a year or two just to see how it tolerates the wind conditions but if you want something that will definitely grow the Sorbus the White Beam is definitely very good and the Red Thorn is super in strong winds now they're all deciduous so they do drop their leaves even the Carpinus will drop its leaf in winter so that's a natural protection as well
0: Okay, somebody wondering about how we get rid of docks and nettles
1: well, it depends where where they're growing in the garden. I think that'll be one of uh, Barry's. Uh, he'll be chatting okay. about about nettles. Make great nettle soup, and and those and, and nettles make a great um, fertilizer as well. Believe it or not. So, but to get rid of them, it depends where they're growing. If they're growing in um, if they're growing in meadow grass, then you want to get something that will. Uh, kill them without affecting the grass or if they're growing in your lawn. But if, you, if you're just spot treating them, you can use the weed-free uh, weed killer and just spot treat the dock and the nettle at this time of year, and that'll get get rid of them.
0: Okay. If I buy a papillon rose in a pot, do I need to transplant it into a bigger pot? Oh, you it's, do. Shr- it's shrub yeah. rose, yeah. Yeah,
1: so it's a shrub rose, exactly, yeah. Um, so you do, you need to, to, like any rose, it's only going to take, it's only going to grow... Um well if you transplant it into a, into a bigger pot. So my, my advice is to transplant it straight away. It's fine in the pot for maybe a week or ten days, but it's better out in the garden soil. And it is going to be a shrub rose, so it's going to make a really substantial plant. So maybe put it into a shrub board or a bed as well.
0: Lovely. Probably have to end on this one, pork I have a lilac tree about 20 feet tall. It's gone wild. Leaves are smaller and there's no flowers. What can I do?
1: Well, if you want, uh, like the uh, I suppose the one to make it smaller. So you can prune it back if you do prune it back at this time of year you won't get any flowers next spring but how? But having said that you'll rejuvenate the plant you'll, you'll obviously get it back under control and within two years it'll be back flowering again so my advice really is to cut it back tidy it up you know you can take a couple of feet off the plant, reduce it to the height you want and uh, maybe start the whole plant off again.
0: Okay, we're going to have to leave it there I'm afraid. Well remember I'm
1: in the garden centre later on today so in Turlock and Castle Bar so if people have any questions or they want to bring in any pictures pop in after 12 o'clock, I'll be there till 6 and remember that foraging is on in Turlock House tomorrow at 11.30 Barry Ralph from the uh, House of Plates so
0: we have well the won't. number if anyone is interested Pork, thanks indeed thanks to enjoy the summer break I intend to I'm <laughs>
1: yeah. do a bit of gardening <laughs> do a bit of once. gardening <laughs> and we'll talk
0: again come uh, the autumn see you in September uh, that's it from uh, the programme for this week uh, do stand by Michael Leary coming your way live from Westport after 10 good morning to you